Good evening, everybody. We are here with the final Q&A for this month, the last day of the month, literally 92 days left before the year winds up. Just want to first and foremost thank nine months. For many who are listening, it's not been an easy year. If not most of the people in the world, <laughs> things were not easy. Things are getting difficult. But through it all, God has been with us. We just want to thank you first. And this evening, before we start the Q&A, we look to the Lord. Father, we just want to thank you, Lord. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for bringing all your people through, Lord, through every trial, every testing. Mm. You brought us through, Lord. Yes, Lord. We here standing here in this hall in our homes is a testimony of your faithfulness, your goodness, and your loving kindness, Lord. We just want to thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Now we come at this time into thy hands. As we go to the questions, we pray, Lord, the answers will be true to your word, and to the person of your Son. And it will bring comfort. It will bring conviction. It will bring change, transformation, whatever you intend in the lives of your people, Lord, for you alone knows each one of us and what we actually need. So we commit this time of ministry into thy hands, O Lord. May Christ be glorified. May he have preeminence in all things, O Lord. Yes, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Yes, Pastor Vijay. We Pastor, we'll start with question, question number one. Question number one. Uh, many people hesitate to admit their own anger. Some are perfectionists who never want to appear troubled or weak. They maintain a mask of existing about problems associated with anger. Would you call that being a hypocrite or lack of a better word phony? Okay, first about the question, first about the question, I find that question personally very judgmental. Okay, so it has to be from, if you look at it, should be, could be from a marriage, somebody is talking about somebody else, or from within a close relationship in a church or an office. So first, let me tell you, my first take on that question was, it, it sounded very judgmental. Because you're dealing with an issue which is called anger, about which God says, be angry. He doesn't say don't be angry. He says be angry and do not sin. So when we come to the topic of anger, we saw about anger on last Sunday's message, but when God talks about anger, the first way he phrases that issue is in Genesis 4, where he asks Cain, why are you angry? angry. Not how dare you be angry. Mm -hmm. If the question was that how dare you be angry, that anger is wrong. Mm -hmm. So he's not asking that. Okay. He's on the other hand, he's asking, why are you angry? Why are you angry? So whenever you deal with anger, the first question should be that, why am I angry? Why am I angry? What is the reason behind my anger? So if you are like listening in the context of a marriage, husband and wife of a home, 
parents and children, office, employee, employer, employees, or context of a church, among sheep, sheep, shepherd, shepherd, different relationships <laughs> which we are caught in. And if you are angry because of any reason, the first question you need to ask is, why am I angry? Hmm. Why am I angry? Why am I angry? Okay, now there is an issue. Now, even if the issue is right and you are angry, first ask, am I angry because of the issue or is it my pride has been hurt? Okay, pride and anger usually go, go together. together. So sometimes, even if the issue is right, therefore the, it looked like you are right in your response, in your anger, but deep inside when God looks, you're not angry because of that issue, because whenever this issues happened earlier, you were not very much bothered, so it is not the issue. Now the issue is that your pride has been hurt. That if the same issue were to come through another person, you wouldn't be upset. But because it has come through this person, you are upset. So we have to be very, very careful that before we judge the other person, we judge our own hearts. Okay. This is how self-righteousness comes in. Okay. I'm so upset because of this is what happened. But then the same thing happened with somebody else. And or when you did the same thing to somebody else, I didn't see you angry. That's why Jesus says, first take that plank out of your own eye before you can take the moat out of your brother's eyes. Okay, so we need to ask ourselves, when somebody did something, you were very angry. But was your response the same (coughs) when probably you did the same thing to somebody else? Then you are balanced, you are balanced, you are angry. So the first question we need to ask ourselves is, why am I angry? Why am I angry? Okay. So many people hesitate to admit their own anger. Then in the phrasing of the question suddenly looks as if anger is a sin. But God didn't say anger is a sin. Then God is a sinner because the Bible says God is angry every, 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 day. Day, every day. God is not a sinner. He's never tempted by sin. God is angry at wickedness and evil in the world, so he has kept one day to judge it. In seven years, you will see the wrath of God coming upon the sons of disobedience. We will see it all being poured out because God is angry. So that is something we were created in his image, so we are angry. But sometimes we need to ask ourselves, why am I angry? Okay, so many people hesitate to admit their own anger because we have created this in the church as anger is wrong. So don't be angry. But that's not what God has said. God said, be angry, but in your anger, see that you don't sin. Okay, then it doesn't make any, it doesn't improve the situation. The problem is, first thing is that we have to learn how to deal with our anger and how to channel it. That is the whole thing. So the first thing is we have to learn to have a grip on the handle. Okay, how to channel our anger. And also remember, all of us, like there are few of us sitting over here. We are all different. Mm. So when people are angry, different people react differently. Like a ch- little child, when it is angry, will throw a tantrum, scream, roll all around the floor. Because that is its way of reacting to its anger because it cannot get its own way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Another person may shout and scream. Like if, if especially if he's a man. But a woman may just go silent and won't talk at all. But you need to realize every one of this is a manifestation of anger. Mm. 
So everybody does not does not uh, respond, the respond the same yeah, way, yeah. but they are all responding actually to the anger that is inside. Mm. Okay. Then some people they have got this entire picture because this has been drummed into them that anger is wrong. So they try to control anger. That any manifestation of anger is a sin. So they try to be what we call it, you know, they don't admit their anger. Mm. So they are always trying to be in control because it has been told to us that anger is wrong. But anger is not wrong. Anger is right. But how you express your anger can be wrong. Mm. So what we have to learn through scripture, what we have to learn through scripture is, how do you express your anger? Because many of the things that has happened in the world for the betterment of humanity has been has happened because of anger. Angry people. Yeah. Angry people. Mm. They channel their anger into transforming society. They didn't take it out on people. They didn't take it out. But sometimes you need to take it out on people too. Mm. Like, you know, if you have an administration, like a proper administration in U.S., who's angry with the Mexican drug cartels, which is flooding drugs and killing the young and the babies and all are being killed. If you are really angry, you will go after them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You're not going to give them a counseling lesson. You will call the Mexican government to account and says, we will declare war otherwise and we'll finish all these people off because our children are being destroyed. You need to be angry. You need to be angry at that. You need to be angry at the drug peddlers who are mixing up things in ice cream, chocolate, in every college by lane. They are seducing these young people and destroying them before they can even start their life. You need to be angry. You cannot be quiet about those things because these are the things we need to be angry about. You cannot be nonchalant about these kind of things. Okay, you cannot be nonchalant about things. Okay, so we come to a very, very common little level at homes also. We see anger. Okay, we see anger. When a child makes a mistake, you don't have to be angry. But when the child is very casual about repeating that Mm. mistakes, then you need to be angry. You need to be angry, okay? Because now you're not angry because the child is making a mistake. But it is very casual about this. It doesn't bother about it. You need to be angry and say, you know what? You don't change the way you deal with things. I will have to teach you a lesson which you will not forget. So the same thing that happens within husband and wife and also, you know, like let me put it across in terms because many of the things which we see in homes like I've seen is over the over food. Okay, now you cannot ignore food. Food is something which God created. The first thing before He created man, He created food, so the man could eat. So food is not a very simple thing. It's a very important thing in our life. Okay, now let us say about this: a woman is very careless about food. But what do you expect the man to do? To be silent and tolerate it? No. You cannot be nonchalant and uh, silent about the kitchen, but the kitchen is the hub of the house. That is where people sit and eat. Like it is very careless. Uh, sometimes a chili is too much. Sometimes there is too much salt and she is not bothered at all. And you cannot say love covers a multitude of evil. Love confronts also. 
okay or a child just leaves his room always dirty you know i don't want to scold her i don't want to scold him now we need to realize then you know what we take anger out of the equation nothing is going to change nothing is going to change in this life you take anger out okay anger out nothing is going to change so we have to be very very careful about how we deal with this one subject called anger so some people try to try to try to handle their anger and because they have been told or this has been told to be angry is wrong my god doesn't say to angry is wrong but he says how you express it you have to be see that you don't sin that you do not uh, do not um, you know sin in attacking that person awesome. instead its behavior the person's behavior so we, what are we trying to do we are not trying to destroy a character we are trying to change behavior mm. because behavior modification has to take place otherwise the house whole house will fall apart why is god angry is god angry because his perfect creation which is supposed to reflect his holiness his righteousness his love his goodness all has been marred by man's sin so he is angry he is angry okay so in in a in a house like let us start with the basic unit you have to accept the man has the right to be angry because he is the one who's called to account by god so anger also goes with accountability right in the in in the in the in in a in a home like when things go wrong god comes to adam where are you what did you do who told you to do this now we can change the tone we don't know what tone was used there we can change the tone now we try to make it very sentimental and say god crying where are you he knows exactly where he is what he says where are you where are you what has happened over here who told you what have you done okay so he's asking the man so if the man is going to be held accountable then he has the right to be angry in the home where things are not going god's way right in a church when there are people who are supposed to do certain kind of things and then when it does not happen that way the pastor has the reason has the right to ask why is it not done mm-hmm. done because accountability it's not with them it's with the pastor it's with the pastor god will come look you if you look at it uh, you read the seven oh, letters yeah, to the see he's not addressing the congregation in every case is pulling up the pastor mm-hmm. pulling out the pastor is pulling out the pastor says why is this happening why did you allow why did you allow to the one church yes it's hydra yes why did you allow why did you allow that woman why did you allow why didn't you take correction so you need to realize with accountability you need to realize that person in office in the same way like in a office you will have okay let us say you go to the local police station there is a head in that police station if anything happens in that police station limits nobody calls of the authorities don't call the constable then call the constable he they will call whoever is in charge over there i don't know who is in charge in our local maybe let us say circle inspector vanthi from this thing he will call him up straight they don't even have the constable's number they are not going to check on the net to find it call him up and says what happened in your police cable see whenever there is a crime that happened it comes you need to realize the station head is suspended poor man probably was not even in the picture it was the local constable's mistake he saw it he didn't report it but he is the one meaning you are held accountable so 
so this is how the system works you cannot take anger out of the out of the out of the equation so mm-hmm. some what happens is sometimes the people who are below are the ones who are complaining are the ones who are complaining oh he is angry the question you should ask yourself is why is he angry or the children should ask why is mama angry why is mama angry mama is always angry the question is why is she angry unless it is misdirected anger okay the wife is angry with the husband and therefore she takes on the children that's wrong that's sin that is sin that's misdirected okay that is misdirected so we have to we have to so some sometimes what happens is that uh they uh, like in this case you know uh it is this you know hesitate to this is uh, this is a very complex question because one side you have who wrote this question has brought anger then on the other side they have said they never appear troubled or weak okay now you can be angry without being troubled god is angry and he's never troubled and he never appears weak see these these are two different things you can go through a situation and not be troubled at all and be not troubled at all but that has got to do with faith that has got to do with faith mm. okay and uh, like like i said no you can't make a general rule about this general rule about this they maintain a mask of existing above problems associated with anger now i mean like i said it's a it's a it's it's a loaded question so many issues have been brought into that one question so are you talking about anger or are you talking about not being troubled are you t- t- talking about actually being strong mm. okay are you talking about somebody who is actually weak but is trying to appear so it becomes a very judgmental kind of a situation because you are calling somebody a hypocrite you are calling somebody a phony so you know what this this is a, this is a very specific instance probably of somebody dealing with somebody it cannot be generalized if we generalize it can become very dangerous when a person is actually knows how to deal with his anger and knows how to express it and does not sin and he knows how to live above his problem like apostle paul could live above all his problems mm-hmm. he is not a hypocrite he is not a phony but somebody else looks at that person you see everybody was wrong in their judgment about jesus christ yes. everybody was wrong when he was angry he was angry at the pharisees he was angry at those people he was angry but he was gentle he was absolutely misjudged by everybody okay he had his grip on the handle okay so when you are talking about uh, what you call problems associated with anger what do we need to ask us what are the problems associated with anger that is the first question why am i angry the first question why am i angry about what am i angry am i angry with an issue or am i angry because i've offended that's the first question kane is offended kane is offended 
then with offense comes jealousy. With jealousy comes, you know, anger, murder, all these things happen. Okay, now, white God does not judge Cain so harshly for murder and there's no capital punishment and all is that. I do believe that uh, it was unintended murder because nobody has seen death. Probably when he took a stone and bashed his brother's head, he did not know his brother would die. Because nobody knew what death was. Nobody knew what death was. Okay, so it was, he was angry, he murdered his brother, but the problem is this is the first murder. <laughs> this is the first murder. So he, so that's why God will put a mark on him so that he is not killed and capital punishment will only come ten generations mm. later after it becomes wow. premeditated and every thought is <coughs> evil and this thing and all he brings in. So we have to look at, so the first question is why, why am I angry? Okay. Issue is right. I'm angry because the issue is wrong and I have to be angry at it. Second question to ask is, am I consistent? Hmm. Every am time the same issue happens. If, every know. time when the same issue. Because this is how hmm. children learn how to handle their parents very well. <laughs> but children will realize, you know what, if dad is in a bad mood, he will get angry, so be very quiet. But if he's in a good mood, even if you do the same thing, he will not be bothered <laughs> at all. So that means he was never angry with what they did. Hmm. Never angry with what they did. Hmm. Okay, with God's anger, he's very consistent. Very consistent. Okay. So he's very consistent because God is holy. He does not tolerate sin. And he's always angry at sin. And in his, how did he channel his anger against sin? By coming down in our form and to die for sin. Mm. That is how he channeled his anger. Amen. So what is his wrath finally going to be? His wrath is going to be against people who refuse to accept his free offer of mercy. forgiveness. Yeah. Mercy. So he says, now he'll have to be angry. And my anger will be rendered as wrath. And I will destroy. I will take vengeance on my enemies. Why? Because I offered you this free gift of forgiveness. I took you goofed up. I took the penalty and I'm offering you a free check here. Come, believe in what my son has done and get out of that life and start changing. And they said, no, we will continue in our ways. We don't care about it. God says, then I will have to deal in my anger. So anger and patience comes together. Why is God patient? Because he's waiting. He does not want anyone to perish. So he has anger. But is under tremendous control for six thousand years. God so has suffering. been suffering long. Mm. He's been holding his anger back. The question is: Is God a phony? No, no, it's mm. not a phony. Is God a perfectionist? No. Is he a hypocrite? No, he's not. Okay, okay. So, so there are, there'll be lots of situations in related relationships, in marriage, in home, in church, in office, where people who are in authority, hold their anger back long period because they know if they were to be angry, the situation would be unredeemable. It would end up in, in a divorce or 
what you call it, in firing a person from an office so that he's now suddenly without a job and he says, if I, if I let my anger, you know what, he will lose his job, his family will suffer, so I will hold back and give him time to change. So in every situation, there are people who hold back their anger. Mm. And they are not being a hypocrite. Some people are hypocrites. Some people may be a phony. But you cannot paint everything with a brush because unless you are in authority, you are. That is why this anger, like when the Bible talks about kings should be very careful or not to be angry. Should exercise because, you know, the king, if he loses his temper, can just put his hand down and that fellow is taken and executed. So you have power over somebody's power over somebody's over life, life and death. Okay? So you can realize that you have to be very, very see it is easy for a sheep to be angry with a shepherd than for a shepherd to be angry with the sheep. Who has to exercise control? The shepherd. Because mm. the sheep gets angry with the shepherd, nothing happens to the shepherd. The shepherd gets angry with the sheep, something can happen to the sheep. So he has to exercise extreme control. Extreme control. Children can be angry with the parents, but the parents cannot be equally angry. They have to restrain because if the parent gets angry with the children, the consequences can be terrible for the child. Okay, so the more authority God gives you, the more control you have to exercise because otherwise you can cause more damage. damage. You can cause more damage. So you have to look at all that because you have to look at where you are, what is the position God has given you, what is the authority God has entrusted in you, and you have to be very careful about how you express your anger. And sometimes you will see, you know, when you look at Jesus, this is the most holy, the epitome of holiness, righteousness, pure being going on earth. But you will only see him losing his temper with a set of people who are stopping literally people from getting saved. He's not angry at the sinner. He's not angry at the harlot. He's not angry at the tax collector. Mm. He's not angry at all of them. He's angry at the these people by saying that, you know, by you and your legalistic mindset is stopping these people from getting saved. You are forgetting what is the whole purpose of creation. What is the whole purpose of why? I mean, God is all-powerful, great. God knows everything, great. But that is not why he created. He created because God is a God of love. Mm. That is the whole behind, the motive <coughs> behind everything he does is love. Okay, so he comes to a synagogue and there is a woman who is bent over for 18 years and the Pharisees are all waiting to see whether he will heal on Sabbath. And the Bible says he looked at her on angrily. Angrily. Okay, he says, you didn't even understand what the whole law is about. What is the whole purpose of the law? The purpose of the law is fulfilled in one word, love. And you are waiting to see if I will heal this woman on a Sabbath day or not. He says, you hypocrites. On that day, if Jesus does not express his anger, anger. he's a hypocrite. He's a hypocrite. He's a hypocrite. So we need to understand when it is right and when it is wrong. Okay, when it is wrong. On the other hand, here is a woman 
caught in adultery. She's been probably dragged in by all the men. She's already gone through all the shame and the agony of being dragged, thrown over there, trying to put in left hand. Now, if he condemns her, he's, he can condemn sin. Right? He should condemn sin. He should be angry. But if he's angry, he's sinning. Because mm. he didn't come to condemn her. He come to, came to save mm. her. Okay? So he's not angry. Not angry. He's not angry at all. Okay. Is he condoning sin? No. 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 But he's saying being angry is not going to save her now. Mm. Being gentle is what is going to save her now. Mm. What is going to save her now. So he doesn't express his anger at all. He asks, is there anybody who condemns you? She says, look, see, I also don't condemn you. Okay? He's extending what? Grace. He's extending mercy. And he says, you know, but if she takes the mercy and does not change and continues like that to the end of her life, one day she will experience his anger. Mm. She will experience his anger. So you have to learn how Jesus deals with all those situations. So if you look at Jesus and if you see him dealing with the harlots and the publicans and the sinners, do you think he was a phony? That he was never angry with sin? No. Mm. No. He was real. He was real. Why? Because the thing is that if God were to get angry with us now, it's over. It's over. So he holds back. He holds back. Okay? So we need to realize that is how it is. So we have to be very, very careful about it. Okay? Sometimes people hesitate to admit their own anger is because we have created this false narrative Watch that you. to be angry is always sin. Okay? Some people have anger issues. They have anger issues. One of the reasons people have anger, one set of people I have noticed in life who have anger issues are, no, please don't misunderstand me, but I'll tell you, are those who are born rich. They have anger issues. The reason is because uh, wealth itself takes care of a whole lot of things. Money can take care of a lot of things in this. Basically, if you have money, you can kind of literally have your way in life. Okay. So suddenly you are faced with a situation when you cannot have your way, your natural response is anger. Because mm. you cannot have your way. So if you look at poor people, they are not usually angry because they have grown up in a system where they could not have their way. Mm. So you will realize natural circumstances itself has caused them not to vent mm -hmm. their yes. anger. Mm -hmm. yeah. Because they always grew up without, no, like let us say, a poor man who eats, who just barely manages to eat two meals a day. So whatever his wife makes, he will eat it happily. But a rich man who is used to having a sumptuous meal, one day the meal is not right, he gets angry. This man, if his meal is, there is nothing, he doesn't even know what a meal is wrong. You look at Lazarus and the rich man. The rich man has more propensity to get angry if he doesn't have his way. Lazarus can get, get angry with nobody. So I've always seen, like when you look at rich people, powerful people who have grown up having their own way, they get very angry when they don't have their way. Have their way. 
Okay, so what God will do is that He will humble them. He will humble them. Yeah, He will humble them. If they are, He they will humble them. Okay, He will humble them. Okay, Saul when he began was a okay guy, but later when he became king and had when he started having his own way, he became an angry man because he could not have his way. Could not have his way. Okay, so we need to realize these are things. That's why we need to ask ourselves this question: Why am I angry? When I was, you see, this is the thing about David. David never forgot where God picked him from. So David, David never got angry. And God said, "You cannot build my my house for him." He didn't get upset. He came in and said, "Lord, what are you saying? This you are going to build a house for me? Who am I? Where did you pick me from?" It never got into his head. It never got into his head. Okay, so we need to ask ourselves. You know, there are these self-made people. You no know, self-made people. I did things my way <laughs> and all this thing. This is very true. You need to realize a lot of people are like that. This is what it does. That is why the Bible says it very clearly in Ephesians two eight to ten. You are saved by grace, and that is through faith, and it is not by works. It is a gift of God. Because it is not possible for a person who goes into legalism not to be proud, not to be proud. Because you are proud of your works, proud of your works. It is not possible. It's impossible. How can you be legalistic and humble? It's not possible. You will be proud of your accomplishments. <laughs> But salvation is a work of God. It's absolute. Even that faith is a gift. No, I had faith, and God says, "No, you did not have faith. I gave you that faith." Though mm. so I repented, no, you did not repent. <laughs> I give you the gift of repentance. Mm. So salvation is an end. So this is the problem for the rich to come to God. So you need to understand. You look at what God is talking about here. You will realize why did God say uh, the rich? It is very difficult for them because what is you know, and the rich are usually angry. Mm. Usually angry, they get very angry. Get very angry. Okay, I mean, let us. So, if you notice, if you notice, in this world, everywhere they have made different ways for the rich. Do you know that? You go to an airport. You go to an airport. The ordinary man will go in the ordinary queue, right? But for the rich, there is a different treatment altogether. They go first class, business call. They have the concierge. They go even at the immigration. Everywhere they have their this thing. They are waved through. They are checked, but they are checked differently. Everywhere. Yeah, temple darshan also. Okay, every event for like in India, temple darshan also. Mm. Everything you can pay your way through. Mm. Now let us sit. Says a situation. Okay, you are come into a situation where you are not able to have your way. Your way. What is your first response? And the person who stops you is doing it right. Legally, he's stopping you. But what is your first response? Your first response is, "Anger, how dare you? Do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? Mm. They don't say it, but that is mm. how anger is. So we need to ask ourselves this question: Why am I angry? Mm. That question is very important. Why am I angry? 
Once you know I am angry and your your reason to be angry is right, the next question is, how should I be angry? How should I be? How should I respond in a, how should I channel my anger? Third question I should ask is, when should I respond? Is it the right time or not? Or should I wait? Okay. Okay, wait. And the fourth question is, where should I so we, when we counsel parents, we always tell them, when you have your disagreements, wait, first wait, calm down. Be like Abigail, be calm. Nabal is angry, he's drunk, it's not the right time to talk to him. Calm down, wife, calm down, calm down. Yes, the issue is true, he's acting like a fool. This will destroy your whole family, your house, everything. But calm down, this is not the time to talk. Wait, in the morning she talks. Okay, so first thing, wait, calm down. Is the reason right? Why? Yes. Second, how? How should I? And a soft answer turns away wrath. How should I respond? Second, where? When? Third, when? Third, fourth, where? So what do we told them? Wait until the children go to sleep. They never have to feel insecure. This is an issue between husband and a wife. But they should always be secure in the love of their parents that so there is no conflict here. Mm. And even if there is a conflict, we are resolving our conflicts in love, in truth. You don't have to worry. Mm -hmm. So wait till they go to sleep, mm. then shut the door and discuss, hammer out the issue. First, look, does this issue have to be hammered out or it can be ignored? It's not a big thing at all. So there is why. There is how, there is when, there is where. That is how you have to look at anger. And because we have to look and don't brush it all like it with a general picture, okay? But if you have an anger problem, then you need to sit down and go to a senior person or a more mature person and sit down and say, I have an anger problem. And you have to go to the root cause. Why are you angry? And then you did check with the person and discuss with the person, talk with the person, you will realize either you were a pampered child, you always, you were a single child in a family, you always had your way, so you never faced any opposition. Now suddenly you are married and you suddenly realize I cannot have my way and then the children come, I cannot have my way. Suddenly you realize, you know, but basically you are a very selfish, lazy person. Mm. So that is what? Having your own makes you, mm -hmm. makes you a very selfish person mm -hmm. and a lazy person. So now that is your issue. You cannot be an island. You have to lay down your life for the other person. So you are angry. You, you know why you are angry? You are angry because you are not having your way. Mm -hmm. And your way is not right. Your way is not right. So you have to deal with your anger. Then you have to admit have an anger problem and deal with it. But this is only with people who are willing to change. With some people it is not possible. Yes. Okay, so you all you can do is pray. Mm. Pray, pray, fast, pray that the person will come to see you. You cannot talk to the prodigal son until he comes to his senses. <laughs> That's the point. That's why the father allows the son to go. Mm. Okay, take it, go. You cannot talk to the boy. But one day when he comes to his senses, you don't have to talk to that boy. Nobody has to talk to that boy because yeah. he came to his senses. Mm. Because sometimes you cannot talk to some people. But one day they will come to their senses and they will come back. They will come back. And some people don't come to their senses at all. Okay, So you can't do, no, no, do anything with them. 
Okay, because this is, you can't take the prodigal son's story and suddenly says every prodigal, when he reaches a pig pen, will come to his senses. No, many don't. They don't. They die in the pig pen. A lot of people just die because it's it's got to do with pride. Mm-hmm. The whole question is pride to admit that I am wrong. You do not realize what kills people, what takes people to to hell. It's not sin. It is pride. That they will not admit I am wrong. Wow. And they will choose to die in their pride. And marriages are broken over that. Marriages are not broken because there are issues. Marriages are not broken because there are issues. Marriage is broken because of pride. See, if I, this is my personal take, and I believe, like Paul says, I do have the Spirit of God. My personal take over the new covenant is that the only condition, that also with the rider on which God allows divorce, is if an unbeliever wants to depart. There is no other condition, not even adultery. He says, adultery breaks a marriage only because of your hardness of your heart, because you are too proud to forgive. Even adulterous marriages can be restored if the person is humble and will change. Other the person is humble and accepts, it can be restored. The only reason God gives for a marriage where it ends up in divorce is where the unbeliever is unwilling. When it is willing, he still says, don't leave. Yes. Don't leave. Humble yourself. Stay there and hang in over there. So you need to realize life is not like the way we think in the word. And everyone who went to hell went to hell because he was proud wow. or she was proud to accept I was wrong and God was right. And every marriage that ends up in, breaks up in a marriage is because one or both persons refuse to accept I was wrong wow. and goes his way. And that is where children, in a church, in an office, everywhere, everywhere, this is how it happens. So we need to understand Behind, that is why, that's why I said, why are you angry? Hmm. Is it my pride was offended? My my ego, myself, no, all that was touched. Hmm. Is that why? That's why if you look at it, Jesus was never, the kind of things by for which we get angry, what people say about it, Jesus was never angry. No, you don't know about his father. Was he angry? He's with tax collectors and publicans and harlots. If somebody says, oh, pastor is eating with harlots, we'll get so angry. Jesus never got angry. He was never bothered about any of those things. What did he get angry about? He got angry about this poor lady's bent over for 18 years. You are not concerned her about all. You are concerned about your stupid law. You see healing on the Sabbath. He's angry over those things. Okay, he's angry over their attitude. He's not angry with them over their your attitude stinks. Okay, so we need to realize this is how we because this is a big subject. It's a huge subject. And don't say anger is wrong. No. Anger is wrong and God is wrong. God is angry. And ultimately the seven years of the Antichrist rule, it is what is it called? It is called God's wrath, the wrath of the Lamb. <laughs> How can the Lamb be angry? Well <laughs> show you. he'll show <laughs> you. But what is he angry at? He's angry at unrepented people mm. who refuse the mercy of God. I mean that's that's what it says in Revelation. Even though they were ha- suffering all the consequences of their actions, they still, still will not repent. Will not repent. God says well. Okay, so that is where we have to be very, very careful. But remember this term called vengeance. That belongs to only God. 
not even to the state not even to the supreme court the supreme court cannot cannot take vengeance only justice only justice mm. they cannot show vengeance you know they cannot and that is what is happening over there in the courts in america so the courts are actually showing vengeance it is not justice it is not justice there is only one who can show vengeance why because every sin is personally directed against him against his holiness against his righteousness against his creation so he is the only one who has the right so when a criminal kills somebody he is not he is not offending the supreme court justice it's got nothing to do with him his job is to only to uphold justice the law but when he kills somebody he has killed somebody who was made in the image, image of, of god, god created in the image of god who is accountable to god so god has the right to take vengeance the right to take vengeance nobody else so that is where we have to a lot and that is why god says forgive because a lot of people are tormented because they don't forgive god says forgive your torment will be over i told you because i forgive i will not forgive how can you say that when every sin was actually against me and i forgive and you say you will not forgive how can you say that so we have to see how this is this is how it is simply ask these questions if you have a issue with anger which is consistent you're always angry then you need to go to the root you need to do an mri test why am i angry why am i angry and usually you go down into the core of it you will see that this is a self made person or a person who always had or her way in life now god has put you or situation circumstances behind it of course there is always god has put you where your back is against the wall and you are angry you are angry and god has brought you there so that you will deal with your anger you will deal with your pride you will deal with that old man you will deal with yourself otherwise god in his mercy and his goodness has pushed you against the wall Now deal with that with your angry. That's the first question Saul should be looking at David and looking at his heart and say, "Why am I angry? This is the best guy in my in my kingdom. He saved my face. I should be proud about him. Why am I angry with him? Why am I angry? I have no reason to be angry with him. I have no reason. Just because some people, people, some women sang some songs, but why should I be angry with him? I could be angry with the women and say, "Come here, you sang a song, okay? I am very proud about this, but your song was wrong. He only killed one man." You said, "I have to attribute it to us." At least when you sing, you let the lyrics be true. <laughs> I killed more people than him. Object. I have no issues, no, about you singing about him. But when you sing songs, okay, let it be true. He has killed one man. You already killed. He has killed tens and thousands, thousands. Okay, oh, unless and this or no, your king. We are saying that the one he killed was equal to tens. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, you are right that way. that was a right application of that word you can deal with these issues and be over and everything would have mm-hmm. everything mm-hmm. would have fallen into place for you transition would have been beautiful israel's history would have been different but that's not how you want and you should have just asked this question why am i angry then you would have realized you know i am angry because i am jealous what was given to him i want it but i don't have it mm. I don't have it, and you need to realize. Then you will realize that a lot of people are angry because they are jealous. Jealous because <laughs> they want something 
which the other person has, which you don't have it, and you're not even willing to work for it. Mm. You exactly. are given an opportunity. Exactly. But it's not a respect of persons. Mm. You, if you had gone out to fight, he would have defeated Goliath through your sword. He did it through David's stone mm. because David was zealous for God. If he had been zealous for God, he would have used your sword. Because God is not a respecter of person. So why are you jealous? Why are you angry? That is why God is telling Cain, if you do well, deal well, will you, will not, you not, not be accepted? That is the question. You know what? God is not a respecter of persons. He's absolutely fair. So I don't have to be unnecessarily angry. And jealous. And jealous. I don't have to be. You know why? At the end of the day, this life is temporal. Mm. Even if I rise to the top or even I'm in the lowest of the bracket, it is irrelevant. Because death is the end of it all. The actual life is coming. Mm. And I should be focusing on that. And in that race, I don't have to be jealous because I'm running my own race. He's not competing with me. She's not competing with me. I don't have to elbow everybody out. (laughs) I don't have to be jealous of anybody out. I am running my own race. He's running his own race. We should be actually helping each other. I don't have to. Even if he doesn't help me, if I help him, I'm not going to lose anything. Even if he takes all the glory in this world, there is no guarantee he will have it there. Absolutely. So I don't have to worry about all glory. Everything is there. That is permanent. It is called imperishable crown. Crown. So I don't have. If you keep eternity into picture, a lot of things will become very clear. All will become clear. Amen. The problem is people are all looking into the temporal. Temporal. They're Mm -hmm. not looking into the eternal. If you look into the eternal, you'll realize, hey, no, I don't have to get angry over so many things. (laughs) It's irrelevant. Like when we look back and we think, you know, what the kind of things I got angry about. So stupid. Those issues didn't really, really matter at all. Yeah, at all. Okay, sometimes you have to be angry because this is a consistent feature. Mm. No, when something is consistent, then you have to be angry about it with yourself or with somebody else. Yeah. And again, depends upon your authority. Okay, you don't yes. get angry, uh, angry uh, with people you to whom God has not given you authority. Authority. So the policeman has the right to be angry with the fellow who is breaking the rules. He's been given that authority. But how he expresses his anger has to be very careful. You can pull him to the side, check his papers, give him a chalan. But if he uses the lati and beats him up, then he has shown his anger in a wrong way. But if the crowd is trying to break down things and the officer gives the command charge, then he has the right to use his bait. So everywhere, okay. But when you are at war, when India is fighting Pakistan, you have to fight it without getting angry. Oh, because you are only obeying orders. No hatred, nothing. You are just obeying orders. If given a chance, that soldier and this soldier would exchange sweets and wouldn't fight because he's in the army for his family's sake. He's in his family's sake. Nobody wants to die. But there are wicked politicians sitting over there for the sake of power, forever fomenting hatred and jealousy and anger. So you know what? You have to be very, very careful. That is what it means. Thou shall not kill means thou shall not murder. 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 Because the state kills. But in that state, when it is killing, it has to be very careful. It is upholding. Justice and not vengeance. So So Mm. we have to be very, very, very careful about this because we are having an issue 
with Canada and India is having an issue, but you have to look at both sides, both sides, okay, Canada is putting a very, this thing about, you know, uh, the Khalistanis, what the government of India says is true, you call them, they are, for us, they are terrorists, we are trying to break our country, trying to break our country, they are saying, no, we uphold free speech and free right, really, really, yeah. really? No, during the truckers, no, this I mean, thing exactly. hits you, really, yeah. what I, this is the problem, hypocrisy, West, that is the, the hypocrisy of the West, yes, yes. they pontificate about mm. this thing, really, mm. no, you are in the Ukraine war, really, for what, for what, how many ministers and officials has Zelensky fired for corruption? During this, has he cancelled all elections? Has he disbarred the main opposition party? So are you fighting for democracy? There seems to be more democracy in Russia than in Ukraine. Hypocrisy. Okay, so after, after some time, people will not listen to you. Mm-hmm. Okay, will not listen to you. Okay, yes, all these years, mm-hmm. countries listen to you because you had the money and the power. But when there is a shift that is taking place, both with money and power, you will realize other nations will start putting their foot down. That's happening in Africa. African nations are telling France, pack up and leave. You cannot survive without us. We don't need you. You need us. Get out. They're telling the Western nations, "Go, go, don't come and tell us how to run our countries. We don't need your money. We don't need your money. Don't tell us oh, we should have gay rights. We don't believe in homosexuality. Who are they? Who are you to tell us? Because of your money, we don't need your money. Then what do you do? So that is where we have to be very, very careful because globally, politics, everything is changing. Geopolitics, geopolitics mm-hmm. everything is changing. Okay, because you have to be very, very careful. Don't show this false anger, false righteousness and all that. Okay, you need to be consistent. Didn't you put pastors who preached during COVID time in, in, in Canada who have all the rights in the American constitution in their, your own constitution also? Didn't you put them in prison? Absolutely. So what happened to your free speech? Yeah. Free speech. Okay, so you have to be very, 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 very careful about they, it. They went after yeah. the people who funded the truckers. Uh, Froze their bank accounts. accounts. I mean, they went after your own population, so your citizens. talk about all this. All this, this is where we, uh, that is why we have to get angry. We have to be angry yeah. at their double standards. Absolutely. Okay, mm. so though I am an Indian, I look at them, I am not speaking as I am looking at your double standards. How you dealt with your own people over there and when the government of India, okay, if it was a government of India and its assassination plot, then of course, um, I disagreed with totally, but then as governments talk about, I will say, come on, hasn't CIA assassinated people all around the world? Come on, haven't they done it? So where are you talking about? CIA is famous for assassinating political rebels and leaders and fomenting all kinds of rebellions in countries and everything. Even the Ukrainian election was turned around years ago by the CIA. So don't put all this. So when you get angry, you should be angry at issues and saying, you know what, Hmm. don't preach. Don't preach to us. Mm-hmm. Don't preach because you are never consistent. You do things what is beneficial for you. So we believe in MAGA, make America great. But we also believe in let's make India great. great. Absolutely. And we can coexist together. Exactly. <laughs> okay, to mm-hmm. exist. 
we don't want radical nationalism. You take care of your country and your interests. We'll take care of our interests. And where we, so we can have meet common, common areas, we will like. work together. At every level, you need to realize there is an anger and there has to be a righteous anger. It has to be a righteous anger. Okay. But when Jesus comes, you will realize what is anger, what is righteous anger, <laughs> how we will rule with a scepter of iron and break into shreds anybody he is. And he will do it all without getting angry. <laughs> That's why justice is blind. Blind. Be fair, Maybe he will not go by what he hears. Okay, that's a Greek thing. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> what he hears or what he sees, it will be in righteousness. So we have to be very, very careful. Sometimes we get very nationalistic and we take a so India is wrong. We should be able to look at it fairly and say, you know what, our policy is wrong. What we did is wrong. We did is wrong. But if they have done a city wrong, then we don't put, uh, they are right, then we don't put our colonial mindset and say they ruled us for 300 years, so every white is wrong. No, that is also wrong. Don't look at the color of the skin, don't look at history, look at the issues. Is it right or is it wrong? That's simple. Otherwise, we'll bring all these issues. We will bring racism, we will bring slavery, we will bring <laughs> colonialism, but that has got nothing to do with it. Take it all off and look at the issue and say, is the issue right or wrong? Where does justice lie on? And you can look at it. Okay. And that's how at a personal level also we need to, we need to look at why am I angry? Is it got to do with my upbringing? How did I grow up? You know, some, some people like, you know, some people, their homes are such, they are never allowed to express at all. Children are never allowed to express at all. So they have so much they have grown up with so much, what you call, not regret, suppressed anger. Suppressed anger. Because the home was never, it is like, you know, you, sometimes when you go to homes, you will see, like, you know, everybody tiptoes around. Because the father usually is a very angry and a violent man. So everybody is quiet. Those children, when they grow up and they go, they do not know how to express their anger their frustrations because they were never allowed and it goes in different way. That is why, like I said, a home has to be a place where there is rules for everybody. The same rules for everybody. You cannot have different, I am the father, so I will do whatever I want. No, then it, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. So everything, there is a timetable, like when you, see, when you like, you know, when you say, we have a timetable. The timetable is the same for everybody. Okay, like, Children were there, where they are growing. We had unwritten timetable. This is the time where everybody is together. So put down your books. I put down my this thing. Everybody put it down. We are together. No, I am the father. So I, you all put down your books. <laughs> it doesn't work. It works. Then the rules, and they will start thinking, okay, no, this, none of these rules apply to dad. It only applies to us. Okay, and this starts getting in. Okay, so we have to be very, very careful about it because then you know what, they will be angry, but they will not show it because they are afraid to show the anger because then if you show anger, you may get disciplined. So they don't show it at all, but they are just waiting, waiting to run, They're waiting to run. When they turn 18 or 19, they just back up and go. They'll say, what was wrong? They'll say, you'll realize that it was all anger issues. It was all anger issues. That is where we have to be very, very careful of. 
home is a home where there are rules and the rules are for everybody and the rules are just it is fair those are fair rules the rules are very fair and you apply it to yourself and as the head you should be willing to show mercy to them but not so much mercy to yourself sure so that you see that mm. you keep all the rules and show mercy even when the others don't Amen. okay so they will understand the two sides of god that one god is righteous the other side is god is merciful righteous that's what he did on the cross he's righteous he killed his own son he's merciful extended mercy to all the sinners and where do children learn it from from their father, father. from their father that is where the father that's why all the commands in the bible is given to the fathers to the men okay and the boy has to see that's the way my father is father is very clear about his own things but is very merciful okay so when he grows up he says you know what point will come and he will come to his senses and he will realize you know i want to be like that and the girl grows up and he says when i get married i want a man like that because they are not looking into me they have got this picture all these pictures they carry from the home are very powerful unconscious pictures very powerful unconscious pictures they carry and you know what when they pick they don't even realize the boy is becoming something and the girl is picking somebody because everywhere there is a man involved man involved the question is what is the picture they carry the picture of a short tempered angry selfish man who always want his way he, the boy will become that And the girl will become a man like that because that's the only norm she's used to. She doesn't realize why she's attracted to this man because the reason is because that's where she grew up with. Well, somebody who is sensible will realize who has come to faith and understand. He says, "I don't want when I pick a man, I'll pick a man as exactly opposite to my father because I don't want a man like I see in my mother's life. She was a miserable woman. She just had sorrow. I will not pick a man like that." So some of them are sensible, picks exactly the opposite. But you need to realize everywhere what was the issue. The issue was anger. Was anger. Was anger was the issue. So anger is a very powerful emotion which will make you or make you or break you. So we have to learn, deal with it. Pastor, there's I think another another related question. Another question. Yes. So it's question number three, Sami, if you don't mind. It's uh, got to do with loneliness and anger. Hmm? It says uh, loneliness can also affect our anger. Does it affect our anger? Is the question. uh social media has taken over if you have no social media we are lonely would you help the youth in this area please pastor see the the question of loneliness okay loneliness again it's loneliness so many reasons for being lonely now we need to understand what we don't understand is that children children young children okay young children youth all of them if they are not brought in a very loving kind atmosphere which most of them are not brought in that way are the most nasty set of peer groups mm. people do not know the amount of bullying bullying that takes place in schools yeah college not so much more ragging takes place in after but schools the kind of stuff that happens where they are absolutely judgmental on the outward things looks clothes tiffin food 
footwear, everything. They can be really, really nasty. Really, really nasty. And you need to realize so many children come through this process of abuse through their school days. And many of them come through without having good friends or very few friends. Okay? So you need to realize that is today's youth. Today's youth. Okay? Parents themselves have contributed to that being happening because the parents were not very careful about teaching their children. Even if somebody is like this, you will not be like this. This is who we are in Christ. This is how you are supposed to respond. This is how you are supposed to respond. And they did not see probably that in their own homes. Or they should see that in their own homes. So what happens is that loneliness is a facet of modern day. So they go into social media. Why do they go into social media? Because everybody wants something which is called approval of their peer group. Mm. See, first the children want the approval of the parents. That is fine. But after some time, they don't care so much. They are grown up. Now it is their peer group, which is so important. They go to school. Okay. So that is why children, when they start growing up, do not want their parents to pick their clothes. You need to understand why they don't want their parents to pick their clothes. Well, daddy will say, mommy will say, hey, you look so good. No, mommy, I don't want that. Because their mind is their friends. Because they already know their friends. If I wear this and go, they will say, ah, what are you wearing? So they want to wear something their peer group will appreciate. Mm. So their clothing, their music, their reading, their watching, everything is now determined by their peer group. But this is a dog-eat-dog world. All that approval is all very shallow. Ultimately, they are all lonely. Mm. Because there is no real, genuine, meaningful relationship at that level. Level because it is all based on the outward and the shallow. There is nothing eternal or true about their relationships. They will say, My bestie, best life forever. By the time one year is over, they've all gone. gone. (laughs) They will write volumes on their memory book or whatever it is called, all kind of things. It's all gone. I I ask people who are older, Do you you have any friends from school? Mm -hmm. And most people do not have from school. And most people who still have friends are from their college days because that's when you matured. Exactly. Mm. Matured and you understood what meaningful relationships Mm. were. Okay. So school days, nobody, very, very rarely do you have friends from school. school. Absolutely. Yet, can you imagine the amount of time and energy and money you wasted upon your parents because of those 10 or 12 years you did? But most people don't carry a friendship from those days. But when you mature and you start, actually your mind starts working because you are dealing with subjects which are more serious, you start having more serious friendships. Mm. So you need to realize this is where loneliness comes. Mm. Loneliness today is so why are people on social media? They are on social media because they are looking for friends. But you cannot have a friend on social media who himself is lonely. Everybody is looking for approval. Hmm. He wants to take, he wants to take. So nobody is a given. Nobody, everybody is looking for, basically looking for approval. Nobody has real, on social media, you don't have real relationships. Hmm. Okay. Real relationships are built on -on one-on-one where you are willing, one, to spend time and accept each other with the warts and all, with your faults, 
and your strengths. Then only you will. I mean, that is it. See, relationships are a very time-consuming process. Relationships always demand time. And it demands a lot of mercy. A lot of mercy. A lot of mercy. A lot of understanding. Okay, you cannot understand somebody unless you have spent time with somebody. Husbands love your wives with uh, with understanding. Love with with understanding. How can you understand her unless you have spent time with her? How can she understand him if she spent which doesn't spend time with him? So the whole how can you understand God unless you spend time with him? But please remember. With God, you need to be very, very careful when you read scripture. God doesn't want us to spend too much time with him. He doesn't want us to spend too much time with him. He says, spend time with him. You see, he says, if you love me, the proof is you love your brother. He says, I am not worried about your love. I can live without it. But I want you to love your brother. That is proof that you love me. Because he's got the whole of eternity to show himself to us. People think we need to spend so much time with God. No. Where in the Bible? No. We need to spend, spend time with, if you want to understand God is love, you read 1 John. It is all talking about people. It's not talking about God. God says the proof that you really love me is that you love your people. You spend time with them. You spend your, not with me. See, God to reveal himself to a man who really loves him, it will take him only one second. But to know another man, it may, may take you weeks and months. Because he doesn't even know how to express himself. He doesn't even know how to share. He has come through. How much time does it take? How many, how many seconds did it take for the woman with the issue of blood to get healed? One time she was healed. That's God's virtue flowing in. How much time does it take God to allow his virtue to flow into me? Just like that. How much time will you take to get to know somebody else at the human level? It may take years. A husband and wife can celebrate their 50th wedding anniversary and really not know each other because they don't open up. But if God wants to reveal himself to a man, he can just do it just like that. So God says, you don't worry about me. You don't worry about me. You just read, study and do what I tell you to do. I mean, three things I always tell people. Three things. One is... Thanksgiving, praise, worship. You got a handle on these these things. You are good with God. Mm. You just thank Him in everything. Very simple. Thank Him in everything. Whatever you are going through, thank Him. Why? By faith. He is good. His intention is good. It will work for my good. So I will just thank you, Lord. Even if nothing happens to me in this life, I know where I am going. I am good. So I will thank you. I will praise you. I will worship you. You are good with God. Then everything that you are learning in the scripture through messages, understanding God, for what? Why do you want to understand God in this life? So that you can take it and pour it on into others. Mm. If you don't do that, your understanding of God is useless. Mm. <clears throat> okay. If you read closely Romans chapter 13, verse 8 and verse 10. 13, 8. 13.8. Oh, no one anything except to love one another, for he who loves has fulfilled the law. Love does not do harm to a neighbor. Their love is the fulfillment of the law. Wait a second. Is that what people thought? People thought the law had to do with God. God said, no, the law doesn't have anything to do with me. It's got to do with you and your neighbor. Why did I give the law? So that you would love your neighbor. I didn't give the law for anybody. 
We thought the Lord determined our relationship with God. Said no. Lord determined your relationship with your neighbor. So if you don't have relationships, mm. genuine and relationship with humanity, with men, with people, take time. Yep. It's not easy. It will demand time. It will demand time. And I thank God. This is there. There's people like us who have to be here, but this is there. So we can still have a relationship, ongoing relationship with people. Okay? With people. And I will tell you, as our relationship in truth grows horizontally, this increases. But if this doesn't flow, this doesn't. God will not give you. He will not reveal himself to you. He will not. What is love for? Mm. To love your neighbor. God will not give you. Because every that is how the why did Jesus come and die on the cross for the sake of his father? No, to save us because the father loved us. <laughs> he was not dying for the father; he was dying for the father's love for man, so he could take us back to the father. That mm. is why he came and died. Okay, so Jesus said, "If you love me, you will obey my commandments." And then he says, "I give you one commandment. What is that? Love one another as I have loved you." So what is that commandment? <clears throat> so we don't, und- this is where we all go wrong. We all go wrong. People can go to your office and they can work in an office for 25 years and never have any relationships. Wow. Okay. You have no relationships. No relationships. Of course you should have relationships. What am I there for? What am I there for? Everywhere you need to realize, you know. I am, I am working and thank God for the work. I want to be a good worker. I want to be an honest worker. I want to be a hard worker. But at the end of the day, when I leave from here, I should have a whole set of relationships mm. where I am able to show the love of God to them. Love of God to them. So we don't see that. Mm. You know? We don't see that. We don't understand. But we yeah. don't want bad relationships. Okay, we love them, but we love them from far. I don't want, I, I'm not. But we are not condemning them. Okay, that's the way you have chosen, that's your way. But my way is different. I'm not going to condemn you. You're condemning yourself. Lord, so Lord. church, mm. you're going to church. How long have you going to church? The question is, you've been going to church for 10 years. Do you have relationships in the church? Mm. No. Then what did you learn in church? I know all my Bible, but you have no relationships. <laughs> but the purpose of knowing the Bible is so that you could have a relationship. Mm. Okay, so home, church, church. workplace. Mm. Okay, workplace. You have to look at it. Is there relationships? There is no relationships. Okay. Now we are not telling you to have a relationship at the cost of truth. That is not a genuine, that's a false relationship. So you should have true relationship. But the question is we need to ask. These are questions we need to ask. You know, because sometimes this this is the problem with the Pharisees. The Pharisees had no relationships with anybody. No relationship with anybody. But they knew the Bible. <laughs> they had no relationship with God. Though they knew the Bible, they had no relationship with man. When Jesus came, I always tell people, when Jesus came, how much time, when, when you see his actual life, how much time did he spend with his father, studying the word or praying? Very little, in the yeah, morning. morning. And after that, he was with the people. With the people, yeah. So the people. With the people. He was a people man. He was dealing with the problems of people. That's what I'm here for. 
is always dealing with the people, dealing with the people, dealing with the people. Okay, so we need to ask ourselves, okay, yes, we have to work, but don't be so gung-ho about your work. You need to realize there is a set of people around you. And you're trying to build bridges, you're trying to build relationships, even as you work. And God will give you the grace for that. Christians will be given that grace because God is the one who put. Okay, but if you look at uh, Genesis 2, 17, right, mm. 18. Yes. To 18. And the Lord said, it is not good that man should be alone. That's the first thing he says. That's got to do with the relationship. Second, I will make him a helper comparable to. Second thing is about his work. He brings both together. He needs to have a relationship. And his work and his relationship should go together. She should be somebody who should be Help. a helper in what is. If you look even in the world, if yeah. you look in the world, I've been especially in Kerala. If the woman is a gynecologist, her husband is a pediatrician. <laughs> And life works well. The reason why it works well is because they both have come from the same field, so they understand the pressure. They understand the pressure. So they are comparable. They are comparable. Okay, now we are talking in case of where uh, the woman works. Woman works. Okay, woman works. But in a case where the woman does not work, I still remember the only two things my father told us when we were young. I don't know whether he told my siblings, but he told me when I was studying in school. He would randomly throw statements like this. Two things he said. First thing, you can marry whomever you want. Religion, no bar. Caste, no bar. He was very secular, open-minded. But he said, don't bring an uneducated girl into your life because you are educated. If you are educated, marry an educated person. Don't bring an uneducated girl into your life. Second thing, once you say yes, stand on it. I don't want to see the tears of your wife. Two things you said. Stand on your word. Your word is your word. Okay? If you cannot give your word, don't promise anything. But if you promise, stand on your word. Okay? So you need to realize, sometimes... Uh, marriages are not comparable. Comparable. Okay? Like I'm telling you. Let us put it in simple English, Indian English. If you are a postgraduate, at least marry a graduate. Mm. Marry a graduate. You know why? Because otherwise you cannot have a conversation. You cannot have a conversation. Because relationships has got to do with conversation. Fellowship has got to do with conversation. Okay. Mm-hmm. Why does the Bible say do not be yoked with an unbeliever? Because you cannot have a conversation on the same level. Mm-hmm. You don't have the same shared values. Mm-hmm. So if you're yoked with an unbeliever, she believes in something or he believes in something else, you believe in something else, after some time it will fall apart because you are not able to agree. How can two walk together unless they agree? So you are a PG. You married a girl who never went to school. You're going to have trouble. Mm. Going to have trouble. Going to have trouble because you're going to have trouble in your conversation. You're going to have trouble in your workspace. 
But she's going to come from her ignorance and she's not going to help you in what God is calling you to do. She will become a hindrance. She'll be, because she does not have the knowledge to understand what is God's call upon your life. Okay? So we need to understand in everywhere these things. A lot of people get married because they are lonely. But that's not the only mm. reason. Yeah. Okay, it is not good for a man to be alone was told to Adam. Mm. And Adam was alone. Today no man is alone. Adam was the only man on planet Earth. Who was really alone. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay? Yeah, but today we are not alone. Yeah. So today you cannot have loneliness as a reason to get married yeah. because then you will put unrealized expectations and demands on the other person because when you get married you shouldn't have been a lonely person. You have to deal with this issue. A lot of people's marriages struggle is because they are bringing extra baggage into their marriage. Okay, I'm not saying you become perfect and then get married, but a lot of baggages has to be because the expectations. Sometimes when you sit down and talk with people, we have to ask them, "What are your expectations from your marriage? Mm. Where did these expectations come from?" Oh. Is it scriptural? Where did the expectations come? No, I got married because I am lonely. But I said that is not a reason to get married because you are not the only person created on earth. <laughs> you had a father, you had a mother, you had a family, you had siblings, you went to school, you had friends, you went to college, you have friends. How can you be lonely? You already dealt with that issue. You have learned how to deal with that issue. You have learned there is so many things in life today which takes loneliness away. Mm. I cannot sit in my upstairs office and say I am lonely when I have a thousand people dead and alive, their memories, their biographies, their experiences with God all around me. How can I say I am lonely? Yep, yep, yep. I can't be lonely. If I am lonely, then I will put so much demand on my wife, sit beside me. I need you here because I am lonely. So I am not a giver, I am a taker. I am a taker. Okay. I am not able to contribute anything because I'm, I'm always lonely. So I'm always pulling people into my life because I'm lonely. You fill this space. Now you are going, you come here, you fill this space. But that's not how God created us. Now we don't live in that kind. So loneliness is a major issue. You have to deal with that issue. Okay. So you need to realize how do you deal? This is what we talk about growing. Mm-hmm. You have to grow. This is talking about maturity. Okay. Yes, loneliness is an issue. You should not be always alone. It is not good. Elijah is alone and is finally becomes depressed, discouraged, suicidal. So God puts a young man into his life. He mentors him. His loneliness is gone. It's gone. He handles with that and he goes in a blaze of glory. He goes. So you are not meant to be alone. You cannot isolate yourself mm. because people who isolate themselves will not have good relationships because they do not know how to relate with others. Mm. Relate. One thing people who isolate themselves, other than the other example I gave, have very little patience with people. Because they have, they do not have relationships, so they don't know what it is to be patient. Adam is alone. Mm. Adam just has to have animals. You don't have to show any patience to <laughs> animals. If they do, you don't like them, kick them. They'll go away from you. And then Eve comes. 
Eve comes into the picture, suddenly Adam has to learn what is to be patient. Because <laughs> Eve is not like you. Mm. Eve is completely a different gender altogether. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Adam has to learn how to be patient because what she says, he thinks he understands, but he really doesn't understand because she is evoking her feminine sentiments. Okay, so that's why the Bible says men live in understanding with her. Because you have to understand her. Her words and your words may be similar, but what she's asking and what you're thinking are not the same. <laughs> it's not the thing. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you. When the wife calls and says that, are you coming for dinner? She's not worried about your hunger. She's basically saying, when will you come home? Your response is, what is there for dinner? <laughs> because you don't understand her language, what she's trying to say. Okay. Then you get married and, uh, okay, the, the, the marriage thing where in that boundary God has put something over there where which is called sex. Oh, what is sex for man? What is sex for woman is completely different. Mm. It's completely different. It is not the same at all. She brings facets of something into the sex a man doesn't even think about. And out of that union comes a child. A child who doesn't know to do anything. From the time he is or she is born, it is actually trouble. God says, be patient. You said you are lonely, right? I gave you a wife, now I gave you a child. Are you lonely? No, you are running away always. You want to be lonely, no? <laughs> Love, you want to be lonely. <laughs> see, you could see the mentality of the Jesus generation when he was living on earth and on the, and the disciples also. They haven't changed even there. The children are coming, parents are bringing children, they said, shh, keep the children away. And she says, what is talking about children? But they're always seeing the children as trouble. Jesus says, bring them to me. And he takes them in his arms and he blesses them and he kisses them and he hugs them and I believe he preaches with them. Children were never a trouble for him. So when you look at children, you have to look at Jesus. Like tomorrow when I preach, there are two paradigms about truth. Because truth is a very important word in our vocabulary. The paradigm is, what does God's word say about truth? And the person of Jesus Christ, through whom it has been exemplified to us. Mm. So when you look at children, when you look at children, you have to look at how did Jesus, of course, never had a child when he was on earth. But we are all his children. And look at him, how he dealt with children. And the first thing you realize that children were never a burden for him. Mm. They loved children. Mm. And one thing is that do not stop the children from coming to me. Mm. So our mindset about children have to stop. Change, completely change. Children are not a burden. They are a blessing and I should not stop a child. Then he talks about how children are to God. Then children. See, we have to get our truth from the word of God. About everything, every subject. Every subject has. So when you're talking about loneliness, when people say, I'm lonely, I will not talk about who's in your life and about your family. I don't talk to people about that first. First thing I'll ask is, what is your relationship with God? Because you cannot be lonely now. Because we are not orphans. Hallelujah. Not orphans. He's always with us, whether you hear him or not. Like, you know, if you, if I remember those years, 
when I was in the underground church, I was literally alone. I was alone in the sense because they were of a different genre altogether, a genre, different race, different culture, everything. And I was an Indian among them. But I was alone. But first thing I knew was I was never alone. Because I knew who had sent me and who was with me. Who was with me. And second thing was my family was far away. Those days cell phones hadn't come in yet. My prayer was this, Lord, I need a phone, a landline, impossible to get. Those are things impossible to get in that country, in that age, to get an apartment in the city, to get a telephone line and a gas cylinder. And because I hung in there, after three weeks, I got all three. And I tell you, if you were with me in those years, and when the telephone bill came, the teachers always look at Sir, what is this? Like a newspaper, it was this long. Sir, sir, what is this? I said, the telephone bill. Sir, how many pages? Sir, one third of your salary goes in in your telephone bill. I said, yeah. He said, what is this, sir? I said, I didn't come to make money. I didn't come to make money. So this is me. I call, I talk in the morning and in the evening. Morning with my wife, evening with my children. I will talk. Just because I'm 3,000 miles away, habits haven't changed. Nothing has changed. Only thing is that I'm not physically there. Nothing has changed. Morning, yes, the children are sleeping. They're small. Evening, they are awake. So nothing has changed. So you need to ask yourself. You cannot be lonely. You cannot be lonely. Loneliness is a choice. If you're a Christian, it's a choice. But that is not a right choice. That's a wrong choice. Okay, that's a wrong choice. You cannot choose because you need to realize the entire law and the prophet is fulfilled in one word. It's fulfilled in See, we have the capacity to fulfill the entire law and the prophets. What is that? Love your neighbor. If you love your neighbor, how can you be lonely? Can you be lonely? How can you be alone? And today, how can you be alone? With this, how can you be alone? Can you be alone? It's not possible to be alone because you have a gadget. So distances don't matter. Distances don't matter. Nothing matters today. But the problem is people are not understanding what the gospel is all about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what did Jesus come for? Save us from our sin, yes. And what is the result of saving us from our sin? So that we can have an up. Real fellowship with God and with one another. That is the result of salvation. If you don't have it, what a waste. What a waste. What are you going to do in heaven? There is work in heaven, yes. But that is not what heaven is all about. What are you going to do in heaven? What is life in heaven going to be? Can you imagine what fellowship is going to be in heaven? And the question is, what are you doing on earth now? What are you doing on earth now? Okay, we need to understand. It doesn't mean you fellowship with everybody in the same way. No, God also has made us differently. But you have to fellowship. You cannot isolate yourself. You cannot be lonely. And that is, that's a no-no in the kingdom of God. It's not possible because then you are defeating the whole purpose of salvation. The whole purpose of salvation. That's why God very symbolically 
picked up the cross that your relationship with God the vertical and relationship of man is restored restored you know what it was the relationship with God and man before the fall man walked with God mm. and Adam and Eve were naked and they were not ashamed that absolute open conversation and they had nothing to be ashamed of that was horizontal man walked with God and God wants to restore that. He said, that's the whole problem. Have a relationship with one another where you are not judgmental. Not judgmental. That people can come and talk to you and know that you will not judge them, you will not condemn them, but you will not condone them, but you will love them. If they think you are judgmental, or they will not come to you again. They will not talk to you. Because we have enough of that in this world. They are not, they are looking for help. But they can only be helped if you decide you will be like Jesus. He never condoned sin and he never condemned the sinner. How to get that balance is what you have to ask from the Spirit of mm. God every day. Lord, help me to really love people where I don't condemn them at all. And if I condemn, I condemn the Pharisee. Because you are a stumbling block in the kingdom of God. You don't allow people to come to God. You drive people away. Mm. Okay. That is how you have to deal with issues, honestly. Okay. And you have to be, you have to deal with that and say, you know what? I will have, start with at least one relationship, one strong relationship. I will have a friend in my life. I will try to start having a friend. Lord, show me somebody. Let me be a friend. And suddenly you will realize, okay, you see, Elijah was suicidal, he was depressed, he was discouraged, he was fearful, and he wanted to kill himself. What was God's solution? Gave him a Elisha, mentor him. Mentor. He said, you had a widow, and you had his, her son, but that boy was not interested. I'm going to give you a man whom you can mentor, who will burn his bridges to follow me and follow you. And suddenly you realize loneliness is not an issue. Issue. Okay, that is what it means. Somebody who is comparable. Comparable. So men, when they marry, women, when they marry, you don't just make your choices. Ask God, who should I marry? Somebody, Lord, give me a woman who is comparable, who has the same kind of passions. In the world, many marriages succeed because they have shared interests. They share interests. In the world, if you look at at the, at the ground level, if you look at many non-believing marriages succeeding very well because the interests are the same. Are same. Even if they don't have like a cricket, or, if you look at the husband and the wife, the father and the mother, they have one shared interest. What is that? Children. The children. children. We have to see our children succeed. And because of that, they will stick together and they will work together well. The father will say, I'm going to work for them. You sit there and teach them. They have shared interests. Exactly. It works. Exactly. It works. And when their mm-hmm. children do well, they're very satisfied. Yeah, and they yeah. But they don't may not have God over there, but they have something comparable. But we have something bigger than that. We have something that is eternal given to us. Eternal. Okay. And that is where it comes in. That is where we have to ask. So please remember. But relationships are not easy. Yes, then it's talking about also anger. How does loneliness and anger go together? What is essentially the 
when you first I mean, I mean i want to understand the person who's asking this question yeah. also what happens is the more you get lonely the more you get frustrated because you were created to have relationships mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. so what happens is like like let like let us say uh, like i always say it is not good to have one child alone mm. it's not good to have one child alone because that child will grow up not proper because mm. a child you always need at least two yeah because then this child will learn how to help the other one and to take help and it will it it will learn what it is to, to bond to and to all bond that share and yes, all yes. those things but one grows alone like dark uh, prince if you have listened to his testimony yes. he was a only child yep. and women girls were a strange creature to him so he says when he got married it was a surprise for him because that lady brought eight Uh, adopted girls with her so he says it was a completely different world for him one he was a single child always had his way and he, whatever he did he excelled <laughs> so he did not know what defeat was and second he did not know what women was so he gets married and gets nine girls into his life so it was it was thank god he was such a godly and a um, moldable man moldable man. man so he succeeded he succeeded but most people are not like that they don't succeed because they have grown up alone so basically they don't know how to handle relationships relationship they don't know because they have never learned you know that is why we say in english all work and no play makes jack a dull boy All work and no play. On, okay. on the other hand, on the other hand, all play and no work also makes Jack a useless fellow. Meaning, what is what does play mean? It is not today's play. Ting 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 ting. That was not never play. To play means you have to go outside. You have to have friends. That was the old days. Okay, vacation was the musty time of the life because all your friends came and you went to your friends. You played, you played, you played. Relationships were during vacations. okay so that is what bible is talking about a lonely child okay and then at some point it has to person has to go into society and when it goes into society it doesn't fit and it gets very angry because it doesn't realize that lonely person thinks everybody is wrong and i am right nobody understands me the problem is that nobody understands you because you never understood anybody else you were never brought up how to fit into a society <laughs> fit into a society so if you look at the rich and the powerful people usually in the world they have no friends they have, they have followers they have no friends mm. they have no friends okay they have set up people who follow them but they have no friends because that's the way they because they didn't need friends whatever they needed in life money got it for them so they don't have friends okay so you will see all these rich people and powerful people in this in the, this hollywood bollywood kind of style their marriages once married twice married thrice married four times married elizabeth taylor five times six times you will know what's wrong with these people the reason is because they never have learned to have relationships have learned a relationship now in a christian kind of a context what happens is that some people their marriages never break but if you do a x-ray into their marriages they are miserable they don't leave because of the covenant 
the covenant then becomes like a chain <laughs> covenant see it's like somebody who said even if the chains are of iron or velvet it still binds you mm. so they are staying there only because of the covenant the thing is that if there was nothing called a marriage covenant they would be the first to leave but a covenant is not what should be holding you together what should be holding together is love no. which builds a relationship okay so we need to realize we have to look at that and know so that's why we say in humorously from the pulpit that person did not celebrate their 50th wedding anniversary mm-hmm. they celebrate their first, first anniversary 50, 50 times. times because nothing has changed in their life nothing has changed in their life but when things change in their life we say marriage should be like wine and people said should i drink no that's not the older it gets the better it should become mm-hmm. do you know old wine is very expensive vintage vintage is very like yesterday uh, 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 yesterday's in an auction somebody's uh, wine collection was sold for 50 million dollars wow 50 million dollars mm-hmm. because you look at it's very old very old marriage should be like that the older you get it should get but if it is getting better you need to realize there is a lot of communication communication in the sense they really understand each other well mm. and they are able to love one another in spite of their differences they really truly love one another and they grow in that and they are comparable to one another their intention is god and the kingdom and they spend time together and they talk a lot mm. they talk a lot but the worst thing two things two three things can relation destroy any relationship especially marriage one is pride you don't need anything to destroy a marriage all you have to is one spoon of pride That's marriage is destroyed it's gone live it it's gone live <laughs> it marriage is gone oh okay boy. second thing is jealousy oh. is jealousy jealousy is a very it can get into a marriage where a man is jealous about his wife or the wife is jealous about the man mm. okay that's why some of these questions we get in in the qna is that how come my husband is kind to all the other women and is not to me you know what she is jealous oh here but the thing is that he is kind to them because they are not his wives mm. <laughs> he doesn't have to live with them so he can be kind to them if any one of them were to live with them he would be unkind to them too <laughs> he's able to tolerate them only for 10 minutes 15 minutes hello how are you okay sister i mean he may be genuine he may not be but he doesn't have to go back home to them okay so you have to be very very careful that you're not jealous about your husband or you're not jealous about your wife because in today's case where the wife works and some of the wives make double the man's salary you have to be very careful that you are not jealous Okay, you are not very jealous about it, and then try to pull her down and shut her down, and this thing you are not. This thing also, so pride can destroy a marriage, jealousy can destroy a marriage, anger can destroy a marriage, and these three things. Do you know what makes you? It makes you lonely. You become alone. Ultimately, like Saul. Ultimately, like Saul. Yeah, he was Saul, Saul alone. Alone. Because he was angry. Jealous. He was jealous. He trusted nobody. He trusted. <laughs> Ultimately, he's sitting on the throne with a spear. 
even his own son he did not trust him he didn't trust anybody he becomes a lonely man so if you are lonely then ask loneliness and anger goes together boy because the bible itself tells you stay away from angry person <laughs> stay away from angry person so you cannot be angry and expect to have friends so they will stay away from you even uh-huh. your own spouse will stay away from you you say no it's too angry it's too angry okay children will stay away from you okay that's why we always have to be very very careful like an anger jealousy pride these are all this thing but anger unlike the others is a god given emotion jealousy no that's manifestation of the flesh mm. and of the enemy no but anger is so with anger don't treat anger like jealousy don't treat anger like pride don't treat anger like bitterness no these are all dangerous wrath is mentioned as part of this thing but mm. not anger mm. bible says be angry it says the wrath of man mm. does not bring forth righteousness of god that's why people say, bible says be quick to Listen, slow to speak. When it says slow to speak, does not mean you shouldn't answer quickly. It <laughs> <laughs> acts. No, people will say, that, "Oh, that's." They slow take it. Respond, as, they take it as a law, and now they don't respond at, at all. all. <laughs> Everything with the response can be very fast and very simple. Yes or no? They don't respond because the Bible says slow to speak. <laughs> that's not what it means. It means is basically is saying that. If you're an angry person, then don't be quick to respond. Take your time. Mm. Take your time because yeah. you know what you need to know yourself. Mm. Because if you are a person who is angry, oh, when somebody is saying something, you are not listening. You are responding in your anger. Responding in your anger. So put a lid on it. Just be quiet. Listen. Okay, listen. Be slow to speak. Listen carefully and let that temper go down. When the temper go down. you will either realize this is what the person said and this is appropriate response or the situation is already gone there's no need for a response actually if we don't respond for many things you will realize it will take care of itself especially with wives they're not asking for our opinion <laughs> they already know what they want what they want to do you just have to listen i remember every time i used to go to kerala nice to go to see my mom and she used to be there as soon as i come i know she has cooked it all the nine yards and everything and i sit with her and she won't eat so i eat it and she's talking and then she's although she's in the kitchen and i'm in the front row and she'll be talking 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 about complaining about this one and that one in between every five minutes i will say ah mm. <laughs> 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 Okay, I'm saying. Ah. She's asking me, "Are you listening?" I said, "Yeah, yeah, I'm listening." Okay. But am I listening? No, I am not listening. I'm not listening. Okay, I'm not listening. I don't want to listen to anything about the neighbor has done or what the. I don't want to listen to any of those things. But I will say, ah, okay, because me listening and my opinion is not going to make change her impression about anybody. <laughs> and i have not come here to change that impression either but what does she want she wants somebody. to know that somebody is listening actually by the time she has finished saying all that she feels better hmm. and because i did not listen i feel better <laughs> okay. so 
So we need to realize we don't have to respond to any of these things. So many things we don't have to respond. That the Bible says. Speak to listen. Slow to speak. This is practical wisdom. This is practical wisdom. Leave it alone. The thing is that I have noticed. One thing I noticed was that, you know, if I were to listen, I get so angry at that neighbor because I listened, five minutes or ten minutes later, the same neighbor has come home, rung the bell, and my mother is so <laughs> nice to the person. I said, what a fool I was to listen. <laughs> because if I had been seen, seen <laughs> this, this, this side of her, <laughs> when I went out, and that neighbor came and he said, hi, I would be responding to what I had heard. And I said, hi. Mm-hmm. This is how you dealt with my mother, right? She's a widow. She's an old lady. Why can't you be kind? These are the thoughts that are going in my mind because I listened and did not see something that was happening. <laughs> so sometimes the simple thing is to keep your mouth shut. <laughs> Let it pass. And you will see in more situations in life, most people can manage their own life. Mm-hmm. Okay. So even when they are coming for counseling, sometimes they don't want. Sometimes, okay, one of the things which I'll always tell you carefully online, all GTC Hyderabad who are listening. Okay. When somebody comes to me, I tell them what they have what. Then I hear, they went to Pastor Vijay, they went to Sister Elsa, then say, can I meet you? I said, no. <laughs> you can't meet me. Why? Because you don't want counsel. You don't want counsel. I don't tell them that. You don't want counsel. If you want counsel, why are you running around? Why are you running around? So you are looking for a sounding board. (laughs) Do you know what a sounding board is? (laughs) You want an echo chamber. <laughs> you don't want counsel. It's very simple. Honestly, when I counsel people, I don't complicate. I tell you very simple. Somebody told me, I'm angry and I'm angry. I want to kill this person. I want to this thing, this one thing. It's very simple. What is the counsel? Forgive. If you don't forgive, you will be tormented. And tormented people always want to kill somebody else. What is the solution? Very simple. God, when he tells you to do something, it is possible. If it is not possible, God will not tell you. Okay. Now, when God says, love your neighbor, and God says, I give you a commandment. So, to love your neighbor is a commandment. That's where you have to stop. John 15, you have to stop. A new commandment I give you. Now, can you fool around with a commandment? Suggestion, you can fool around. Opinion, you can follow around. What you do with commandment? That's it. So you cannot follow around with it's a commandment. It has to be obeyed. Mm -hmm. So if it is love, it is your neighbor. It is, when it's a commandment, it is not just a feeling. It's more than that. Praise God. This is how you have to look at it. Mm. Look at it. Okay. So he didn't make it difficult. 613 divisions the Pharisees made about the law. He just put it into one line and said, love your neighbor. How should I love your neighbor? Just like I loved. Just like I loved you. So he just put 
the truth and the person. This is the way. It's very simple. I look at it. It's not very complicated. So forgive one another. How has God has forgiven you in Christ Jesus? The question is, how do I want God to forgive me? Of everything, not even one matra, Lord. Please, Lord, when I stand before you, remove every jot and tittle. Lord, not even a dot <laughs> left. Everything clean, the white, absolutely nothing in your book, Lord. Okay, he says, forgive your brother that way. Mm-hmm. Very simple. How do you want God to forgive? Everything, nothing. Forgive from your heart, your brother that way. It's very simple. Is it complicated? It is not complicated. It's very simple. So why do we complicate? The gospel is so simple. That's why the Bible says that the simplicity of the gospel. Mm. No? It's simplicity of the gospel. Okay, I, I read about this uh, American or British missionary many years. I don't know how, when, how long back he had come to India and he had all his tracts and everything and all but nobody was interested in the gospel. Then he had tuberculosis and then he was put in this TB sanatorium, Indian TB, they are using English terms, Indian TB sanatorium, full of people, dirty, filthy, and nobody was interested in his tracks or his witnessing anything, and he is lying in the this thing and coughing, and then he sees there is an old man in the bed over there, and in the night, he is very weak, he will roll up and he will start shaking, 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 and then give up. In the morning, he realized he has soiled himself. He was trying to get up, but to go to the toilet, but he cannot go to the toilet. And he soils himself, and everybody laughs at him, shouts at him, and he says he saw the nurses slapping him also for soiling himself. And this thing, and then he, one day, he looked at him. Same time midnight, he is rolling himself and shaking himself. And then he was prompted by God. He got up. And he carried that man to the Indian toilet, which is, as he said, he uses his own words, which is just a hole in the ground, and helped him to reveal himself, then cleaned him and put him back on the bed. Next day, he did the same thing. Third day, he did the same thing. Fourth day, he did the same thing. He said after a little time, every Bible he had, every tract he had, everything was gone. Everybody wanted to know about Jesus. The nurses wanted to know. And, and the doctors wanted to know. And he was sitting there and asking God, Lord, all these years, nobody wanted to know. Now everybody wants to do know. And all I did was carry an old man to the toilet. That's all God said. Love your neighbor. Mm. They will know. I sent you. Hmm. He said, in a different culture, pagan culture, I cut through the entire culture and brought the gospel to where everybody wanted to know that gospel because I was also a TB patient, carried an old man to the toilet at midnight every day. That was all it was needed. So we need to realize what God is telling us here about what is salvation? What is life after salvation? Are we like the world? Running after this mad, this thing, isolating ourselves and only pursuing this thing, pursuing what we like? Are we laying down our life for others? It's a question we need to ask ourselves. If you are laying down your life for others, you'll never be lonely. One, God will never leave you. Two, you'll always have people who want to know the gospel. Mm-hmm. 
It's as simple as that. That is what life is all about. Okay, so don't complicate the gospel. Don't complicate the gospel. Okay, the gospel is a very livable thing. It's a very practical thing. Okay, so God says the whole gospel He took and put it into one, one commandment. I give you. This is it. Love your neighbor as I have loved him. This is no greater love as a man than he lays down his, his life for his brothers. brothers. That is what Paul says. Even if you become a martyr for Christ Jesus' sake, is burned at the stake, Without but you love. don't have love, that is also use your martyrdom won't be counted for rewards in heaven. Because you can do all that without love. <laughs> be very careful, he said about mm-hmm. Talks about that. Heavenly languages, powerful gifts where you can move mountains and allow your body to be burned. What is talking about martyrdom? Because that's how they were burned at the stake. But you can do that without loving your neighbor. For your principles, what you believe is true. A lot of people have died for what they believe was true. This is irrelevant. If you do not love, rewards-wise, all that is useless. So we have to be very, very careful about when we read the word of God, look at what is important for God should be important for me. Amen. And Lord, make me that person that help me to love people. You, would you please love through me? I surrender myself this today, Lord, that you would love through me, your kind of love. Would you please love through me, Lord? I do not want to be a person who is unloving, I won't condone sin, but let me not condemn people, Lord. Let me be approachable. Let people come to me, Lord. Let me be able to love all kinds of people. Every That's when you look through Jesus, you will see his fairness in his love. One side is a 12-old woman with an issue of blood. The other side is a rich ruler. You have a Roman centurion. You have the poor. You have the have them all the same way. Everyone he loved. He was always willing to go. Jairus willing to go. Someone willing to go. Who touched me? Daughter, your faith has healed you. You see practically working it out. What did he have? He had virtue. He was willing to share it with anybody. And if somebody without him knowing came and took that virtue, he said, thank God for you. Take it, for it is forgiving. My life is forgiving. Take my life and go healed. And you have to learn from that. This is what life is all about. This life on earth is to be given away. That's why he says, if anyone finds his life, he'll lose it. And if he loses his life for my sake, will find it. And that's what Paul is saying. My whole life has been poured out for God's people. For God's people. I just gave my life to people. He did begin that way, but he ended very, very well. Very loving, kind, compassionate, forgiving person. So it doesn't matter how we begin. We have to see we progress in this. Am I that? Am I that kind of a person? Every day I look in the mirror of God's word and say, Lord, I want to be that person. I want to be that person. Build on relationship because that's what life is all about. In eternity, what is work? We could do work just like that because we'll have the mind of Christ 
And the power of God at our disposable work is nothing in eternity. Hmm. Nothing in eternity. So what is going to be eternity? These relationships. The height, the depth, the width of relationships in eternity. Can you think about the relationship the father has with the son and the spirit? Their relationship is what is the relationship? Can you think about it? Can't even think about it. So what would be relationship in heaven? Okay, that is why relationships is the whole thing on earth. Mm. And the only sustaining joy you find in life is not things. Things do not have the capacity to give you, it's time bound. But relationships have, are yes. not time bound. Yes. Either they will give you joy without time or they will bring you pain without time. Time doesn't limit it. Mm. Either the joy or the pain. Only relationships. Nothing else in life. You look at it. Even success. It will it's be temporary. temporary. Even failure is temporary. After that, you forget it. Yeah. Relationships, no. Wow. You look at when Jacob is saying about Rachel, when did Rachel die? When he, to my great sorrow, I buried Rachel. What is he talking about? It's a relationship. Oh. To my great sorrow. He really loved that girl. Hmm. And time cannot change it all. Doesn't change. Cannot erase it off. And he loved Joseph. And he thought Joseph was dead. And time is not going to change that. Because they are not living in the new covenant. Mm. They don't have our kind of genuine hope. Oh, eternity, what is it's all hidden from them. Mm. So death was a terrible thing for them, for people who loved. Death was a terrible thing. So if you look at their life, we are talking about Isaac's riches and Abraham's servants. But the Bible is talking about Jacob's love for his wife, for his children. He loved his family. Okay, So that is where you have to look at and see everything in the shadow of the new covenant. It is, it is relationships. And if you are majoring on everything else and minoring on relationship, that is why you are empty. You are empty. Everything you can take in the world, if you try to fill that soul, it will still be a vacuum. Because it can be filled only with relationships. Relationships are eternal. We'll stop there for today. Yeah. Hmm. Hallelujah. Yes, Pastor Vijay, I'll pray. Father, we just want to thank you, Lord, once again for teaching us your word, showing us your ways. Lord, the incredible balance between being absolutely righteous and yet being absolutely merciful. Lord, you took all the pain and the wrath upon yourself and you extend your, extended your mercy toward us. Only you could do it. And Lord, you have given us your nature to us in seed form when we were born again so that we can be expressions of Christ to everyone else, to people whom we minister, to people whom we relate to on a daily basis. Grant us the wisdom and most importantly the heart to be what you want us to be, the extension of your son. Grant us grace. To that end we pray that all these teachings not go in vain. 
even as we humble ourselves and acknowledge our failures, fill us with the power of your Holy Spirit and pour grace upon us so that, Lord, we can live out your truth. Thank you all. Lord, one second, you have never, ever asked us to live this life in our own strength. It is impossible. But Lord, you said you would live through us when we surrender. And therefore we surrender. Live through us the truths that we heard. Thank you, Father. Thank you. We humble ourselves, O Lord. And even as we've come to the end of this month, we thank you as we heard. We want to thank you for your faithfulness in our lives. So many times we were unfaithful, O Lord, but you never were unfaithful toward us because you cannot deny yourself. Lord, when we denied you, forgive us. The situations, O Lord, when we came under pressure and we denied you, forgive us. Grant us grace to walk with you. And even as we enter into a new month, the last three months of this year, enable us, Lord. Lord, to seek you. Lord, and to truly, Lord, be be people who love, who give, and not just people who take. Have mercy upon us. Thank you once again for this time, this opportunity that you give to us in all these formats to listen to your word. Thank you, Lord. Thank you once again, Lord. Prepare us, prepare us for tomorrow, even as we take part in communion. And Lord, continuously prepare us for your coming. Thank you, Father. We praise you. We worship you. We give you glory. Jesus, mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. October 1st, it's a good day to begin. It's Communion Sunday, so please everyone, 10th month, come prepared. God bless you.